All right, this is a podcast we're creating for Secondary Ed um, 210, 211. Uh, this podcast we are basically doing for a project that we will be covering different topics about um, teachers and principals. And I'm Riley. This is Cam. And I'm Liz. And what we're doing in our project is we're trying to figure out what is the theory on how students learn. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be interviewing the Greenwood Middle School principal, Mr. Sutton, and we're going to be asking him a list of questions um, but before we do that, us three, we're just kind of going to talk about these questions and just see where we're standing and to see what we think about them. So our first question is, do all students learn differently? And then what are the different ways you have observed this or you see this, like how these students learn? Um, for me, I think just kind of relating to myself, I learn on a standpoint visually, like uh, like I'm in anatomy right now. So for me, I have these um, – things sitting in front of me. I can visually see them, touch them. It helps me just visualize it and feel it and understand it better. Um, whereas like reading it, like context from a book, I kind of get mixed up in words and I kind of get lost in the understanding of things. Whereas if I reading it and looking at it, it helps me understand it a lot better. Yeah. Um, I, I'd have to agree. I do think all students learn differently not only for myself, but, uh, going to some of these classrooms and these schools and observing, I mean, I definitely see some kids struggling when you see a lecture base classroom um, compared to when you see students hand on, hands on and they just, they seem so much more involved in it. Um, like when we're at Greenwood, uh, I even noticed some kids in the classroom who sleep or aren't involved until there's a video um, or, um, they do more of like a discussion-based kind of class that time around. So that's really when I see kids get more involved that are not into lectures. And I mean, this, this can just range from the student being tired or the student just not caring. But I do believe that students learn differently um, when it comes to like hands-on activities, lectures, visuals. Um, I mean, it, it can range from almost anything in a way students can really find their content and what they really can figure out from that area. Yeah, and just going off of that, I think like we can conclude that, yes, all students do learn differently. And um, I think that it's a big part of their educational uh, career is like to, for them to be able to identify what is the way in which I learn the best. And also... Um, the teachers to be able to figure out like how is this student going to learn the best and how can I um, give them information in a way which makes most sense to them. And I think one thing I like to talk about like our different fields because um, we're all different. We're all different majors. Um, we all have different <clears throat> directions in which we want to teach. Um, for me especially um, kids in the weight room or in physical education you know you can come up to them and say um, we're going to talk about triple extension today and the power clean. And most kids will look at you and have no idea what you just said to them. Um, so for me, I think kids learn mostly visual and, and, and the um, physical education realm just because you can't just tell them, okay, well, here's how you perform a squat. They have to physically do that to understand what it means, what's the concept of it, how it's getting them stronger, what, you know, what's the purpose. Um, so I think – for me, it's visually. I think obviously it could also, it could be different for you guys. Well, personally, I think because I'm history and I want to teach like government, um, yeah. 
U.S. history. That's kind of my content I want to go into. And um, I definitely noticed, not even from when I was in school, but a lot of teachers tend to be more lecture-based with those. And I think that's the worst way that students learn that kind of material. I think doing activities, like um, I remember in my government class, we did like foldables. Like, yeah, yeah, you're a senior in high school, but that stuff really can draw you in and get you creating stuff. Um, Not only just that, like videos help a lot. Uh, My class I took my senior year, um, it's like a form of the government class called We the People. And we always, and I mean always, at least once or twice a week, listen to the uh, How a Bill Becomes a Bill song. Um, and that was like our yeah. thing. Yeah. And, you know, like as silly as it is, that song drew students in. And like that really got you to like, okay, this is the process, you know? So I think like stuff like that and my content, it really becomes a focus of, you got to find activities that draw students in, whether that's, you know, having a discussion. Um, Government can be very opinion-based. So really getting students involved is by opening discussions in the class, maybe for half the class once a week or a full class once a week. And then, you know, finding activities, the ways you can break it down. Like um, another way I saw when I was in school is to be – do like so for example you have your three forms of government right yep. so you had three parts of the classroom and in that three parts of the classroom during that class kind of it was more of like a week um you spent a class period at one of those parts at one of the branches yeah and you really like dived into it and like you kind of acted it out like yeah. so one so person a got a role yeah and like stuff like that i think really can bring a student in yeah. Um, and can kind of change the way they view that course. I could even students who don't care to be in that class, I can really change the way that they. Well, not just that they could, they could take that and they could, that, that just that theory of learning, like you're talking about that could change their thinking and the way they learn in other classes, not only history, but they could bring that to the physical education uh, realm and be like, you know, if we break down these exercises in different groups, I'll understand them better. Yeah. And then that goes for you. And that's why I think like it's a big deal in schools for for teachers to be constantly engaging with other teachers and just looking and just looking to do things outside the box. Like uh, my content area is history, but I'm looking to go into special ed. So that's obviously mm -hmm. a different population of students that you're dealing with. And they do not learn in the typical ways in most other students do learn. So you really need to go outside the box and yeah, you definitely need to be multi-dimensional like, yeah. with your teaching and like, cause obviously you don't want to just be like a lecture based, you know, you need to have activities and you break down different ways because every student, each teacher teaches differently. And I think each student learns differently. So you've got to kind of incorporate all that, whether you're, you know, if you're a multi-dimensional teacher where you teach lecture, you teach with um, visuals and all these different things, you're, you're getting into the students more. You're not just teaching to that one student that's great at lectures. You're also teaching to Johnny in the back who's really a visual learner. So it helps the students too. And I think that that's like that uh, loops around to another one of our points of what makes a successful educator. I think like being able to do all of those things and to be able to reach out to all the different types of students and to just like know that you are really trying to get these students engaged and to get them learning and to view learning as a fun environment like you want them to like school and you want them to like your class and you you want them to 
at the end of the day, you want them to learn something to be able to pass the test. And that's just the way it is. Um, but like you want to make it an exciting environment. And I think that that's one of the most important things of being an educator. Yeah. I also, I think like to be a successful, uh, educator, you, you really got to focus on, um, your students and like the way you see that they're taking in your content. If you see that something, and that's why I've seen it a lot, first periods being a um, more of a, a guinea pig type of period. You can see what questions you ask are going to draw students in. You see, uh, I mean, Liz, we see it every every day we go to Greenwood. Yeah, uh, that lesson, first period. It's you a little rough. It changes by second period. The teacher knows, hey, I'm going to take more time to do this. Or the kids really liked this, so I'm going to maybe take a few extra minutes to talk about this and uh, maybe this isn't as important so you got to tweak it throughout the day and know that your lessons can change a little bit depending on yeah. what the students mm -hmm. find it. and I think I think not only just being willing to change throughout the, even the day but the year as well um, as you go on from lesson to lesson and then I think kind of diving into our next question this goes with yeah. um, is like what's a what's your philosophy on a student teacher relationships I think that you being a successful educator, um, you obviously have boundaries with your students, but you got you got to care about your students too. I believe, like you, oh, you have to show that you are not only open for them and you are you're there for them because you don't want students who feel like they can't come and ask you questions or they can't come and talk to you. And that's why I think a really good point is one of my high school teachers. He always just had an open policy, like. Okay. You guys ever need anything like come to come to my office hours or my class like after class and uh, just sit down and talk with me. And like he's like, we can talk about anything, anything you want. Yeah. And he he just he was a good guy and everyone enjoyed his class because he, he didn't only just make it like that. He was always willing to make sure students understood what yeah. was being taught. In my high school, a lot of teachers, they would spend their lunch either. They would take a day uh, and they would go to the cafeteria. They would sit down with students, eat lunch. Um I actually went back to my high school when I did one of my visits um, at my high school. They now do departments. Um, so now um, if you're in the math department, one day of the week, all math um, department educators will go down to the lunchroom, sit with students, talk about them, say, hey, you know, did you guys have questions in my lecture today? Did you how's lunch? You know, they they engage with the students outside of class to build these relationships, to build these different bonds. Um so that the students feel comfortable and that they're able to, you know, at any point in time, come down and ask questions with the teacher and uh, get a better understanding. Yeah. And I think um, something that we need to realize is that some students, they don't have that sense of safety and comfort at home. And sometimes for all of them at school, this is where they're getting it. And we need to know that going to their extracurriculars if they ask and talking about their day and asking them about their weekend. Those are all really important things to both them and to us to build our relationships with them. And I think that a lot of teachers don't really think about that. And even if they do think about it, it kind of takes a back burner because our lives are so busy and you don't really have time to talk about yeah. those things, but we really need to make time. I think. Well, and not like an example of that, really, we see it every time we go to Greenwood Middle School. Um, after the first period, there's a girl who um, the, the teacher's not sure if she doesn't get attention at home, but she really enjoys the, 
the attention that she gets from the teacher and yeah. like the the reassurance that she's doing good or she's she's being she's doing successful in the classroom kind yeah, and of one time I overheard her say something about her braces she's getting them retightened and just silly little things like that the kids want you to know that they want yeah. you to be a part of their lives especially at the middle school level which is what we've all been observing and I mean at. and really even like I I noticed it in high school is like you'd see students even myself, I would second guess myself a lot. And I would sometimes like just call, call my teacher over and just be like, like, am I doing this right? And sometimes it's just that little reassurance. Like, yeah, like you got it. You just keep going. Like, don't worry about it. Like don't second guess yourself type of thing is great for students to hear. And I think even in that, like I think about um, another relationship thing is like grade and tests. A lot of teachers at my high school, um, if you did really well, the bottom or on the back, you know, they had a smiley face. They had, you know, Johnny, you did a really good job. Um, I can see that you understand the material. You've been working hard in class. I really appreciate appreciate you being um, a good role model for the rest of the class. That right there, just you know, that also builds a bond. That should, instead of you know verbally, they're saying this the teacher, but uh, that builds a bond, you know, in yourself. You know that wow, the teacher without even saying it, you know, they're, they're I mean they're they're showing you through their words, but it just kind of brings that reassurance about and shows that you can reach out to the teacher now. Like, you know, maybe beforehand you're like, well, I don't know. Should I go talk to the teacher? Well, then you get your test back and it's like, wow, the teacher sees that I'm doing a good job. Um, I want to talk more with the teacher and just kind of build a better relationship. So I think, yeah, that's another thing, key thing. But we can move on to the next one, which is what factors outside of school um, affect students learning the most? This is honestly one of my favorite questions, simply because there is never just one thing that can affect a student. I mean, we could break it down to mental health that they have going on that can affect their, um, I mean, that's an outside factor. I mean, that can affect their learning, um, home life, whether or not, um, they're getting attention from their parents. Um, and what about the fact that they're just middle schoolers and they're going through a lot? Yeah. (laughs) Developmentally. Yeah. And even in, and even in high school like that, I know I, and I've heard it plenty of times. It's high school is like when you really like find yourself, is what a lot of people will say. Yeah, you're finding who you are and the type of person you want to be and the yeah. values and morals. And Which it's hard. I personally feel like I've, I'm starting to find that more in college. But yeah. I think in high school, that's what, as a student and as a, as a young person, that's what you really believe. And I think as teachers, like we have to accept that and the fact that there's so much going on in these kids' lives. Not all the time do they have focus on your one class. Yeah, and just for... For educators to be able to take a step back and try to put themselves in their students' shoes and think about when they were in middle school and high school and just the struggles that they went through and knowing that, yeah, times have changed, but really the core issues really haven't changed. You're still trying to figure it out. Bullying may be happening. You're starting to join more things. You're getting more independent from your parents. And a lot of it is just change. And change is really hard to deal with, especially if it isn't very positive. And some students don't have positive change, which is sad, but I mean, I think you could go even as far as um, extracurricular activities at outside of school. You know, as yeah. a strength coach, I see um, even in the middle school, when I go to Greenwood Middle School, I see these athletes. For instance, um, when I went on Tuesday, they had a they had a game on Monday and they lost and they come back and you can just kind of just see it in the, the basketball kids um, and the way they're performing in the weight room. They kind of just seemed down, had this kind of negative energy. Defeated. Yeah, not necessarily, not necessarily like they just didn't want to be there, but the fact that they were just like, you know, they're kind of bummed how they're 
how the game went. So it kind of affects how their their day goes the next day. And I think even I think even extracurricular activities have an impact on um, the students' learning. I and mean, time management too. Yeah, you're takes, joining more things, and you got to figure out, and you're getting more homework and more responsibilities are following falling on you, and you need to figure out how to spend your time. And if you want to stay up late and do homework, or if you want to go to bed and not do homework, so yeah. just yeah. a lot of decision making. Well, and you know, kind of an example for this is, and, I, and I'm not going to discuss necessarily what we've seen, but just an example for some people would be. Um, a student whose parents are very absent in their life, um, don't care about their grades. They don't really reach out to the teachers. They don't, they don't go to those parent, parent teacher conferences. Um, that, that kind of stuff can really affect a, a kid because they don't, they don't have someone behind them kind of trying to drive them in a path of you need to have good grades. Like, this is what I expect from you. Like, like a parent's expectations sometimes, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but like my mom's expectations for me growing up was you have a C, you're in trouble. So like it, it's got me to a point where it was always like, I don't want to be in trouble. I want to be good. And like, it, it kind of turns you into like enjoying your grades, even like working hard and seeing the success yeah. and just students who don't have an at home driven lot, like, like drive from their parents and like their parents even motivating them a little bit with whatever can really affect how they do in the classroom. Yeah. I, I feel like like well, going off that, like how our big topic is theory of how students learn. You can draw different conclusions from that. Like whether your parents were really involved or whether your parents weren't, you have two different separate ways of learning. Um, whether you're a motivational learner, you have that parents push, you motivate yourself because you're like, wow, my parents are on me. I've got to be motivated. You know, you have this desire to please them. Whereas if you don't, and you know, it's just like, well, if I get a C, I get a C, you know, you don't have that parental parent push. Um, I think that goes with our, you know, just our overarching um, idea here, this theory on how students learn, it changes. I mean, just, yeah. just from experience, just from how you grew up. I mean, it, there's many different ways in which students learn. I think that there's just all these factors that deal with on how students learn. It just completely changes. Every person's different. I think that's a big thing to think about too, and how they and how they learn throughout their years of schooling. Yeah, I definitely agree. So we'll move on with the our next question is when middle school students. Um, since we're doing this over, um, you know, with the middle school principal, we wanted to just focus on the middle school students here. Um, when middle school students go to high school, what skills do they have? What do they bring to the table? I think that this one can be pretty. Uh, there can be a lot of answers, but I think that the biggest thing that the middle school teachers and um, administration want to see is they want to see that these students can think in a higher way and think more abstractly. And I think that um, they want the students to just be successful and they want them to know that their preparation in middle school is doing that. So I think that the main skill is just that they're prepared. Um, yeah. I, I'd also say responsibility too. Um, uh, yeah. Like I think a big thing you look at is, as little as it is and like how small of a portion it is, but your like passing periods and like the lockers in middle school, like it, it's kind of setting you up. But yeah, they have a lot less time than we would have had in high school. Mm -hmm. But uh, I definitely think that that kind of is a point of 
listen, when you get to high school, like you can't be late to your classes. Like you have to be able to manage your time, like getting across from the school, whatever. So I think like that, that just kind of gives them like this aspect of responsibility and time management, even like we were talking about earlier. Um, I, I think that they really just want them to go in to high school wanting to be successful, wanting to come out of high school, uh, you know, whether whether these students want to go to college, not all of them will, but still going out of high school, enjoying high school and getting smarter. I mean, I think that's really the ultimate goal is that these kids continue to learn and their capacity, what they learn continues to grow. I think that's the biggest thing. And I think they they set from what I've seen and in, in, especially in Greenwood Middle School, I've seen nothing but teachers and I mean, Teacher. Trying to wean them off the holding hands constantly. Like yeah. Our teacher says, these kids think that they're going to get to use their notes on their tests, but reality check, no, I'm going to get them out of that way of thinking. So just because you know, you're not, you don't get that in high school. No. So I mean, whether you're in seventh grade or not, like I think, I think it really can set you up for success in the future. Yeah, <clears throat> and I, I think just like um, kind of talking about like personal, um, like what we teach, what we're going to teach. Um, for me. You know, it's not just when my students leave the weight room, they're not just going to learn how to squat or how to do all these different exercises. They're going to learn, you know, nutritional skills. They're going to learn how to manage their weight and diet, what to eat right on game day. You know, what are carbs? What are calories? What are all these different things that have factors into um, how good your performance can be? Um, I think it's not just – they're not just learning how to lift weights. I think they, they learn leadership skills. They learn how to be on time. They, I mean, all these different things. And – that carries over from class to class, not just are you just going to learn that in this class or that class. I think every class correlates together, and you can learn multiple different things, whether that be certain leadership. Um, all those different things can be found within other classes. Yeah, I can agree. So, I mean, ultimately, I think my theory on how students learn is, I mean, I think we're all kind of similar in this aspect that, we think that students learn differently from one another, but the ultimate goal for students to learn is that they grow and that they continue to, they want to learn. I think that's a big, right. I think that's spot on. Yeah. I think that's just a big aspect that we have. Um, I, I think that we all have seen, and I think we may all even learn differently depending on like the course and the, the material we're, we're taking in. Um, so that just goes to show, I mean, three of us yeah. and like you look at a students as a whole, like they definitely all learn differently. Yeah. Some even may be more similar than others. So even as you get older, like things that I learned in high school, math, you know, I take a math credit here. Um, teachers teach it differently. I mm-hmm. learned a completely different, I learned a different, completely different way. Um, so it, I mean, it goes on even beyond just students. I mean, it can go yeah. into your profession. Um, I mean, it can go way yeah. beyond just students. So I think. Um, but yeah, everybody learns differently and it just depends on the factors that you had growing up and factors of the people you've been around changes the way you've learned and it always changes. You can change as, as you go forward. Yeah. So now you've heard our theory. Um, so then now we're going to listen to what Mr. Sutton has to say and what he thinks about. So we'll have him answer the same questions and just see, um, how his answers differ than ours. Okay, so we're back here today, and today we have a special guest. We have the principal of Greenwood Middle School, Mr. Sutton. 
Thank you for being on the podcast with us. You're so welcome. um just to let you know what we're doing. So we're gonna ask you a few questions and by the end of all these questions we're gonna figure out what your theory is on how students learn and it's okay if you don't really have a set in stone one, it can sure really just be whatever you want. So okay. the first question is do you think that all students learn differently? And if so, what are the different ways that you have observed? Uh, yeah, that's, you know, for m many, many years, differentiation has been uh, a big thing we try to focus on because we do understand there are some kids that are visual learners. There are some kids that are just good listeners. Some people are a combination of all. We actually just recently were able through a grant to, uh, give some eighth graders and some of our special ed students uh it's it it's like a test and it kind of tells how they learn best so we are now starting to get some tools that we can give through technology figuring out all right these kids uh they excel when they hear something read to them these kids excel because they're reading it themselves so that it's always been an ongoing struggle to try to figure out the best way to approach all the different learners. But yeah, the bottom line is the, the kids learn um, all different ways. So absolutely. Okay. And then based off of the kids learning different ways and the teachers obviously having to accommodate to those needs, what do you think makes a successful educator? Um, first of all, recognizing the fact that um, the way you do it and the way you're comfortable with isn't always the way everybody learns. So kind of being flexible and trying different things in your classroom. We've, or at least I've noticed, like through observations, um, that when I go into a classroom and they are doing it different, you know, it's, it's not the teacher standing up being the, you know, the lecture all period long. They're breaking down. Sometimes the kids are reading something in a group and there's another group that's working on a computer program. And then there's another group that they're getting a little bit of a lecture from an adult somehow about that, and they just kind of flip around. So they're doing – I think a good educator is trying a variety of uh, approaches during the, the classroom period. So yeah. yeah, I think we both said the same thing. Yeah, we, yeah, we talked a lot about that, just being able to, one, like recognize it, and then, two, being able to do something that the kids will like take in and yeah. internalize and learn the best. And that doesn't always guarantee that you're reaching everybody. Right. But I think that kind of goes through looking data analysis and looking at kids, you know, not being successful and looking in some other avenues uh, with those kids that aren't being successful. Is it the way your approach or it might be a variety of other things, but um, it, like I said, it's not a guarantee that what you're doing is getting everybody, but as long as you're right trying to look at data and determine who's not getting it. Yeah. So then the next point that we had talked about yesterday was um, on behalf of student teacher relationships and how important do you think those are to like both their social life, their academic life and just that, in general. That is probably the most important thing that I guess as a principal that I want to assure everybody that a kid, it, isn't going to learn if he hasn't got relationships and have connections with school. Um, we really have pushed the last few years with the social emotional learning, but you know, we just did a survey of all of our kids to see who had connections with who they felt they had connections with adults and then who didn't. So um, those kids that say, I don't have an adult that I feel comfortable going to all the teachers know who those kids are. And we're trying to garner some relationships with those kids and make connections 
couple of years ago, we created a connections PE class okay. that um, kids that we feel that, um, you know, they're, they're not, they're not getting any attention somehow, some way they're not involved in school socially. They struggle a little bit. So we have a PE connections class for each grade at the end of the day. And those teachers do activities that kind of get them comfortable with other kids and they work on their social and emotional learning through that connections PE. So uh, if a kid walks through that front door and they don't have a relationship or connection with something here at school, it's going to be a struggle for them. So that's, that's very, very important because that's before any time, you know, if they do the, the learning's not going to take place as it should. So, um, yeah. And so when do you think the best time to build those relationships is like, as far as um, having students come in before school, after school, during lunch breaks, just during everyday class? I think it starts with your classroom and the kids that you have. Um, and that spills out to passing period in the hallways, saying hi to the kids. Um, we put something out that I always liked to do and enjoyed when I was a classroom teacher. Just when you're standing at your doorway and the kids are walking in, just saying good morning call them by the name. I mean, that's a big thing to some kids. Oh my gosh. Right. They know my name, especially with sixth graders yeah. in the beginning of the year. But, um, and then, yeah, we, we have during lunch, we have teachers pull groups of kids in to help garner and expand the relationships with them. So it, it's, it's all the time. Even teachers being here during a sporting event, just showing up and watching some of their kids Absolutely. they have in class, seem outside the classroom that really is a big thing to the kids. Like, oh, they care enough that, you know, they're here watching me play basketball or volleyball or something. Um, but it starts in the classroom. And then from there, you know, all the extra little things that really kind of support trying to build those relationships. Yeah, we talked about that with extracurriculars because all three of us, we were athletes at one yeah. point and Cam and I still are. And um, back in high school, like when we used to be like, hey, come to our game or whatever. Yeah. It means a lot. Like, it sure does. Show up yeah. Because it shows that they care. But. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so then going on to the next point, um, what factors outside of school do you think are the most influential on how the ability of students learning, like how it affects their learning? Um, probably a stable and supportive home. Um, I will be honest with you. It, it's a lot easier for us to do our job when the folks at home, whoever mm -hmm. is uh, in charge of the child or taking care of the child, that they know that they're on our side, we're on their side, and we work together. It's not a fight against the adults. Um, so I, I think when a kid can leave this school and the lessons that we try to teach them and learn, um, they can go home and those are supported and continued. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, we can do all the good work that we can do here, but if they go home and it's not stable and there's all kinds of stress there, it, a lot of things we do, it kind of falls apart. Mm -hmm. So it always makes me feel good. You know, we had a student uh, not too long ago that um, a break was coming up, like a long, I think it might have been Thanksgiving weekend or something. And he was asking when we got back and we, we told him and he, he was very disappointed because this is his place where he knows that people care about him. This is a place yeah. that he that he knows what's going to happen. It's really unpredictable at home, and it wasn't um, just a 
a, a good place to probably grow and be his best. So making a, a, a long answer <laughs> short, probably a, a good stable supportive home yeah. is a huge key. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's what we said yesterday yeah. too. And then as far as Greenwood Middle School and your philosophy here, what do you think the what do you want the kids to learn here in middle school and be able to take to high school and then there on after? Um, I think moving towards high school, we we really want to, you know, have them grow academically, obviously, mm -hmm. um, making sure they have the skills that it takes to get a high school diploma. Uh, that's difficult for, for us all the times. Um, but that, that's one thing that we really make sure when they leave eighth grade, at least they have the basic skills to have a good start at the high school. And as far as beyond high school, um, you know what we, I tell those kids every day, you know, be kind, listen to adults, work hard in class. I mean, you could take that mm -hmm. outside in, in your workplace when you get older. If you're kind and you're listening to others and you're working hard, hopefully that will ring. They'll keep that with them and right. be successful outside of school. That was so. something we said yesterday, but we also said like responsibility is probably a big one. It and is. With the whole like locker room, starting them off now and then getting into high school when they're more. Yeah. And something that we've seen um, through, through our observations is um, the kids always ask if they can use their notes, um, yeah. like tests and quizzes. And um, Mrs. Seagrid's like, no, you can't use them anymore. Like, so she's trying to wean them off of it and just being a little bit more independent and really emphasizing the fact that they need to study. And that's a hard, like you have to learn how to study. Yeah, You don't yeah, just know how to yeah. do it. You have to learn. So, and, and we have Mrs. Santos. I don't know if you know her, but she has a study skills group that uh, she, we just looking at data and talking to kids that they don't know how to yeah. highlight a note, uh, mm -hmm. what to go over and important to study for a test, different techniques that they can mm -hmm. use. Um, so, yeah, it is. You know, sixth graders and eighth graders, you wouldn't, it's a totally different piece. Yes. You know, those sixth graders are very still dependent and don't know about things. We hope by the time they leave here in May as eighth graders, they've grown independent. Yeah. They've been able to self start some things and can begin to, you know, take care of things themselves. So, yeah. it doesn't happen to those sixth graders, but no, <laughs> it takes, understandable. It takes time. It does. Um, do you have any other important things that we maybe didn't cover about you, what you think is important in students' overall learning or their mm. academic experience? No, I think uh, you guys, a lot of good questions. Very, very good. Uh, the whole relationship piece is something that, you know, is very dear, near and dear to my heart. I just yeah. think having kids come in and love them being here at school and knowing they have people in their corner, I think, is a... A very important factor for their academic success and their social and emotional uh, uh, growth. So that one, no, that and that, you know, like you talked about the differentiation mm -hmm. um, with those kids and how they learn it, it's difficult. Right. Um, you know, when I went to school, teacher would stand up, lecture, we'd take <laughs> notes, and then we'd go and maybe do a worksheet. And, and it's not like that anymore. Right. Thank goodness it's not. I, th I think it, uh, we try to reach all the kids we can with a variety of approaches and, you know, so, yeah. So if you were to have to pin down on one theory, what would you say is the theory that you stand by the most for how students learn? I, I, I would think the most important thing is building positive relationships with kids. That's where it all starts. Okay. You know, um, if a kid has a connection with you and likes you, he doesn't want to disappoint you. Um, he wants to work hard in your class, even if it's whatever it may be. 
So I think if you have those positive relationships with kids, you can really take them far as they go academically and whatever else you're working on. So, yeah. So I would say positive relationships with kids. Okay. Number one thing to start off with. And what was yeah. ours? I think, I think we just said like overall, we didn't, we didn't really have like a pinpoint. We just kind of said that we, I think we emphasize on the different styles and then the people being able to accommodate to that. Yeah. So just yeah, being so. able to like change yep. what you're delivering to that is. be delivered. I think right now it's like important for us to learn about not only just that, but like how to build those relationships with students because like we want to start our career off being successful, obviously. So like hearing that that's a big point is definitely going to be helpful. I mean, yeah, we hear our professors say it and like, yeah, you you should grow those relationships and stuff with the students, but sometimes you don't always know where like you should draw the line. So like hearing from hearing, hearing it from a principal that like, just being there for the students and like helping them and know that you're, you're going to help them succeed whatever way you can. That's, that's huge. Cause I think that helps us. Yeah. And so to remember, right. We always tell, um, especially teachers starting off, you can be friendly, but you can't be friends. Yeah. You know what you know, the really, so they <laughs> know that you're friendly and care about them, but you know, um, sometimes it's, it's difficult. Uh, that line of, being a friend and being friendly. I know that that's a little ambiguous, but, um, and you know, something else that the teach lot, not a lot of teachers are comfortable with and it's difficult sometimes, but making that relationship with the kid, sometimes just calling home and talking to the parent. They appreciate that so much. Mm -hmm. They know that you have their child's best interest in mind. So when the kid comes home and he's a complainer, doesn't know something, (laughs) at least the parent says, you know what? Mrs. Smith called and, you know, here's what we need to work on and help you do. Yeah. That's what on Wednesdays, sometimes during a PLC or even during the team time, uh, we make an effort to have positive phone calls home, which I think builds the relationship not only with the student, but with the home and the family. And that's also a big step. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So in my communications class that I took um, last semester, so last spring, we um, did practice phone calls. Yeah. We didn't actually call anyone, but. It was just a bunch of different scenarios, and we had to practice having like professional phone calls. So I can definitely yeah. see how that could be difficult because it's, it's we weird. It is. It is it, when you have to call home for something negative. Yeah, it's always easier when you've called before something about some things good. Yeah, because they don't think, oh, you're just picking on my kid. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, you know, you're making something big that's really small. But if you've called home on a couple times or yeah. receive it once or send a note. At least the parent thinks, you know what, they are trying to yeah, and help even out a little bit. So. I've had to do that um, when I was a senior in high school. We, I was a part of a leadership team, and I had a group of freshmen. And over the summer, I got the list of them, and we had, like, a whole camp. And during that camp, they dedicated, a, like, 20 or 30 minutes where we had to go down the roster and call everyone's parents and just introduce yourself. Yeah. And yeah. if they didn't answer, you leave them a quick message just saying who you are. And if you do... Yeah, if they do answer. You just talk to them for a minute or two, but yeah, it's definitely nice. Yeah. Going interested. going back to what you said about like the friends versus being like, friendly, being yeah. friendly. Yeah, I definitely I definitely understand that because like I do I do pitching lessons right now, and I coach a group of fifteen year olds, fourteen they're fourteen and fifteen, and they they sometimes get this like attitude that we're friends yes, and it's yeah. like i'm here to coach you and get you to the next yep. level like yes i am younger yes like i was in your shoes just 5 years ago i get that but like 
you still have to show the respect. And like, I think that's big because I've seen it a lot in high school with younger teachers. They, yep. I feel like they start out. Okay. I mean, cause one of my, I think my sophomore year, it was a geometry class and we had a first year teacher in there and he, he seemed to be very like scared to discipline because he didn't want to upset students. He didn't want to, exactly. Yeah. he didn't want to even like go even further to upset this, like the principal and the Dean and stuff, because he didn't want to keep sending students yeah. down there. So he just <laughs> kind of let students get away with whatever they wanted. And they found that as like, Oh, like he's the cool teacher. And it's like, no, like he, you can, like, you can see it if you understand anything yeah. that he just is uncomfortable. He doesn't know exactly what he wants to do. And I think that like, that's just a big thing that, I want to develop before my first year of yeah. teaching. Is- it, it, you know what? And you make a good point. That probably is, happens more probably in high school. Not so much. At, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. It's a lot smaller. Not so much in middle school, obviously in elementary school, <laughs> but that is, you're right. In high school, that's probably, I, I remember I had a uh, first year when I was a, a junior in high school, we had a first year math teacher. She was only really just not that much older than anybody else, but yeah. The same thing. Yeah. She wanted to make sure that she didn't want to upset anybody. and was afraid they, or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And she says more and kind of lost classroom management uh, for quite a while. And it wasn't a real good environment for a bit, but, uh, but you're right. You're right. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for answering our questions. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, anytime, anything you guys need. So hopefully what are you guys done with um, coming here? We need a total of 20 